Did you know that drowning is the leading cause of death for autistic children? Today, we will chat about the importance of water safety for autistic individuals and share our experience with special needs swimming lessons with our girls. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. So summer is almost over, for us at least, because school here starts an ungodly early time. In like two weeks, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, school starts for us on August 3rd. It's incredibly, incredibly early in my opinion. We were in another state where they didn't start until after Labor Day, so it's almost like a month and a half difference. That's insane to me. Yep, Uh, the joy is going back to school. But when we think of summer, what do we think of, Leah? Swimming! (laughs) So the thing that we really focused on this year in terms of what we wanted to do in the summer, our biggest goal for our girls was to get them in swimming lessons. We've heard so much about the statistics when it comes to the drowning rate. It is currently the number one leading cause of death for young autistic children. And it's something that we feel is a imminent danger for our girls because we see and have noticed firsthand that they are highly attracted to water. They will basically do whatever they can to get into water. We've had incidences where our our eldest almost jumped off a cliff because there's like a beach underneath. And they've also tried to run into like rivers or ponds or pools or lakes or basically any type of open body of water. So we knew that this would definitely be something that our girls would personally be at high risk for, and this is not something we're willing to risk. So we made it a point this summer to go out of our way and seek out swimming lessons for them. We wanted to be very intentional about the process because we know that because of their special needs, we couldn't just do any sort of swimming lessons. And so we focused specifically on trying to do some special needs type of swimming lessons. I just think of like a moth to the flame when it comes to water. Like some of the parks we would go to, they would have like a like football field of like distance between like a river. And like they would like just start like running towards the water because they would see the river. And it would be like us like making sure like, okay, like we're up there with them, like redirecting them around and kind of like keeping them away from like potentially I mean, a dangerous situation, but um, yeah, we we felt like we've waited too long before we actually got them involved in swimming. So, and I'm actually happy we did because it gave us a idea of where they are, like if they were to find water on their own without us, it's pretty scary. Like, I mean, they had uh, what, like five lessons, I think with the, uh, the special needs swim instructor. The program that we found is called Angelfish, and I looked them up online and it seems like they do have kind of cross state programs. Ours was like specific to our state, but I think each state or at least several states has an angelfish program. If you go to angelfish's website, you just do a quick Google search for angelfish special needs swimming. It'll come up. And if you go to their website, I believe they have like a map where you can kind of like punch in your zip code and it'll show you where the closest one is to you. But we found that this was a really amazing resource for us because the angelfish program is specifically run by OTs and PTs. So these are people who are certified and trained specifically in helping kids with disabilities be able to swim. And so that already was really helpful because our girls have very specific sensitivities. 
One of them, as you know, the youngest is actually really water sensitive and water averse. So having somebody who is trained and kind of has like that patience and understanding with that sort of thing was really critical for us. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, because um, you had the youngest one and I had the oldest one for most of the lessons. One of the swim instructors, as I was like going around in like the little like lazy river, she kind of was like, does she have low muscle tone? And I was like, why? Yes, she does. Like she was able to tell. It wasn't even that she wasn't kicking properly. It was like of how like her legs were kind of like bowed out a little bit when like her natural like resting in the water, just floating. And she was able to spot it. I mean, instantly. But then with that knowledge, she was able to help make accommodations for her. So like one of the big steps was basically like making sure they're able to get out of the water. And because the, our oldest has low muscle tone, that was a really big struggle for her. So they kind of helped to make like accommodation. So it was a little bit easier for her to be able to try and like push herself up when she's not fatigued. She does a pretty decent job after the five lessons. Of course, she's at least able to get out of the water unassisted when she's not fatigued. Now, if she is a little bit tired, then it's a different story, but at least we have gotten some progress in that, uh, that first little batch of swim lessons. I definitely think it was a great experience. I mean, at least for us too, so we can get a better idea of how to kind of work with them in the pool so we can practice things even kind of beyond just the, the standard instruction. Yeah, I almost felt like for the oldest one that my biggest concern for her was actually more the hypotonia than the actual autism because she was loving it. She is our like big water baby. She's the one who just loves water and can't get enough of it. So she was just kicking away, having a bunch of fun. She was having a blast and she was picking up on it pretty quickly in terms of like the movements and things. However, because of the hypotonia, she had a really difficult time keeping her core lifted. And when you can't keep your core lifted, then your body just goes kind of straight into a standing position and you sink. So that's one of the issues that she's struggling with is she really needs to develop that core strength. And without that, it really makes swimming difficult for her. So one of our goals is going to be to at least help her learn how to float because floating requires minimal effort. So she can at least learn how to turn herself over and float for as long as she can, then at least that's like another life-saving alternative. The other issue is that the main life-saving alternative is being able to get yourself out of the pool. And that is something she was really struggling with towards the end. She can do it. She has the movements down. She knows how to do it. However, like you said, it's really all dependent upon how much effort she's already exerted at that point in time. So if she's been swimming for a little while already, she's going to be too tired to lift herself out of the pool. So my concern is, you know, if this is ever an emergency situation where she falls into a pond or something, my guess is she's going to panic. And when she does, she's going to exert most of that energy and then end up being too exhausted to get out. That's why I kind of want to prioritize her learning how to float. So at least she has a backup plan for that. Right. Because then she can kind of rest until she figures out like, oh, okay, I need to try and like swim like that way, for example. So she's able to kind of get like an idea where it's not just she's wasting energy, not making any progress doing anything. I definitely think that will be kind of our focus for like the next batch of swim lessons that we set them up for. Now, our youngest with being able to get out of the pool, that was a different story because she's so our little like monkey Dexterous. climber. <laughs> yeah. Like, have you noticed she's been using her technique of getting out of the pool outside of the pool on the couch on the counter yeah she does like her yes. little like elbow thing and like pulls herself up so it, like if anything the techniques they taught her in the pool she's taking it outside of the pool and now she's become an even she's like, evolving stronger <laughs> even stronger climber just like countertops and whatnot and i'm like yeah oh my gosh like i mean it's cool but it's like at the same time you're like oh gosh now it's gonna be harder to like keep her like 
grounded. So. I, I noticed it more on like the back of the couch because she kind of like pops up behind the couch and then does the elbow, elbow, knee, knee thing and like pulls herself up. And I'm uh. like, man, you were able to do that before. So she's got great core strength. She's really strong. She's able to do that. However, we have kind of an opposite issue with her where she is waterphobic. I guess that would make her less likely to jump into a pool or anything like that. So that's kind of a good thing in that sense. However, if she does fall into a body of water, her problem is that she has kind of that like freeze response. So like, you know how there's fight and flight. There's also a third response, which is like the freeze response. And that tends to be her when she's scared, uncomfortable, sensory overload. She just will freeze and kind of like just stay and do nothing. And unfortunately, if you do that in water, you sink. So she is also basically very high risk for drowning for that reason. It's almost like the complete opposite of our other kid. <laughs> they still need, obviously, like the the standard like work as far as like making sure that they're kicking to be able to stay afloat because both the kids needed the floaties around them the entire time. So, I mean, we haven't gotten anywhere near trying to take those off. I think they had done like a simple test to kind of show like the kids that they actually have to kick. So they had like had one of the instructors like have their hands out while they took off the like floaty device to show them if you're not kicking, you're basically sinking. I think with the exception of that, we have to keep the like flotation devices on at all times. So that'll definitely be down the road when we um, have a huge ton more lessons where they get the idea and they become stronger with like the kicking and using their arms to kind of stay afloat. But it was definitely like, I would say like a great like crash course for like a first attempt at exposing like our kids to the pool. It was eye opening, but we they also had like great progress too. Overall, I, I was, I mean, very thankful for the program. It seemed to work out well. We got to swim too. So, I mean, win-win. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly surprised how much they learned in that short amount of time because they went from not knowing anything at all to being able to get in and out of the pool unassisted. And they were able to really start kicking and learning their arm movements. The cool thing about having like an OTPT combo in the Angelfish program is that they understand special needs kids. And so they are really flexible and able to adapt things. So they were asking me like for the hand strokes, they were teaching them like, okay, do one and two in terms of left and right. And then just remind them one, two, one, two, so that they would know when to move forward with their hands. And my youngest was not really having that because she's the one that's kind of minimally verbal. She's minimally responsive. She's got more than likely pretty severe ADHD. So it's hard to get her attention. So I basically was like working with her and I was like, this isn't working. She's not paying attention. So the OT basically was like, well, does she have like a favorite fruit or like a favorite animal or something like that? And so she asked her, she's like, hey, what's your favorite fruit? And she responded, she's like, watermelon. And I think she picked like cherry or something after that. So instead of doing one, two, we were just doing watermelon, cherry, watermelon, cherry. And that made her motivated and like incentivized to try doing those strokes. So after that, I had a lot more success. So that's why you really need a program that is tailored to special needs kids like Angelfish. And they are not sponsoring us. We just like them. We just went through their program. So this is just purely our experience. And we genuinely really like the Angelfish program. So that's something that I would highly recommend you look up in your state or your locale if they have something equivalent to that, because it was the only way and the only reason we were as successful as we were for a five-week program. And honestly, I think we did 
probably wait maybe a little too. I mean, granted, we just moved here last year, but we might have waited a little too long to try and try and introduce them into kind of like swimming. I mean, I definitely want to keep like going so they don't forget everything they've learned during this like five week course. But yeah, I would definitely say, I mean, try to get your kids at least survival, at least knowing what they're doing in a pool from a young age might help peace of mind a little bit that they can learn to swim. And so you're not caught off guard if heaven forbid they ever find themselves in like a river or body of water or something. And you have to try and like find them. I mean, I'm just thinking of like our kids, if they were to elope before we had this program, I mean, even now we, it would still be worrisome if they were to find open water without us there. So, I mean, it's definitely something that we have to be very proactive as far as trying to set up more uh, swim lessons to make sure that they keep growing with like what they've learned so they can actually become little swimmers. And this is something that I really, really, really want to stress and emphasize to everybody listening, because a lot of people think this wouldn't happen to me. This wouldn't happen to my kid. I keep a close eye on them. But I cannot tell you how many stories I have read Ever since I became aware of this like huge risk for swimming for autistic kids, I've noticed more and more of these stories coming out of kids who have somehow eloped in the middle of the night or they have eloped during like an outing with family or something like that. And they have been found in bodies of water and they've either drowned or they've been rescued. But it's definitely a very, very real threat. I actually just saw this article and I'm sharing my screen now for those of you who are listening. Go back to the video and you can see. But there's this Florida Sheriff's Department and they posted on their Twitter feed. They had just gone through this entire ordeal again where there's some police body cam footage of the officer going into a body of water searching for this child that had eloped. And as soon as I saw the headline, it didn't even say autism in it yet. And I was like, how much you want to bet that this was an autistic kid? Because nine times out of 10, I'm finding when I read these stories of kids who are found near bodies of water or in bodies of water, it is almost always an autistic child. And lo and behold, I I watch the footage. I hear the feedback from the police officers. And of course, it was indeed a child who was autistic. And that kind of brought two things up to mind. One of them was bringing back the idea of how very real this threat is, how we think our kids are safe. We think that everything's okay, but you know, all it takes is one day for you to forget to lock the door, which we have done. All it takes is one second of looking away and you never know, this could be your kid. And so because of that, we cannot really stress the importance of getting the swimming lessons because you really, really, really never know. And to me, the most horrifying part of this video, honestly, the video itself, it's enlightening. Like it's it's got a happy ending. So you see the police officer looking through the water. He's looking through the brush to try to find the child. And then he kind of pulls back the grass. He pulls out the child. The child is just wearing a diaper. It's a little boy. They pull him out of the water. He's okay. They wrap him up in a towel and he's fine. So it does have like a happy ending. But when I go and take a look at the comments, that was where I was really heartbroken. Society still does not understand autism. And I was looking through the comments and I'm not going to do it now on video because I will get upset (laughs) because I was looking through these comments. A good 80 percent of the comments were blaming the parents So there are questions like, where are the parents? They need to have Child Protective Services called on them. How could these parents not keep an eye on their kid? And a lot of harsh 
judgment on the parents of this child. And it really, really, really frustrated me because I've been there. I've had my children elope multiple times, and I am super cautious. I've got the locks. I've got the security camera systems. I've got the GPS trackers. We've got eyes on them at all times. We don't leave them alone. And it still happens, and it can happen in the blink of an eye. So I just find it infuriating that parents still get blamed for this sort of thing, and I think that they're is even stronger evidence now that there really, really needs to be this push for autism acceptance and awareness. Clearly, I mean, as far as like parenting, a autistic child is different than a neurotypical child. There are different challenges that you have to contend with. Each one has their own struggles and challenges. But like, I mean, even at school, for example, our kids eloped after we told them and had it in IEP, they are at an elopement risk. We have GPS trackers on them. And we, I mean, had given multiple warnings and they still didn't actually believe us that our child was at an elopement risk. And lo and behold, on field day where she's kind of out in the open with hundreds of kids, she chooses to elope. It's unfortunate because even the people that you would think would be, okay, the parents have told us that they are elopers and we are a special needs teacher, you would still think that that would kind of be like a red flag kind of, and I'm not blaming the school by any means, but it's even the people who you would think would believe you or be aware of the elopement risk are sometimes not really there. So I can, I can imagine that like parents who don't have a special needs child, they're just kind of blaming the parents. Oh, the kids uh, not being watched by the parents, who knows where the parents are kind of thing. So I think it's very unfortunate because I mean, the, the, the child looks like he might be what, three, four years old. I mean, he's still in a diaper. So I, yeah, I was, I was guessing just based on his, his height that he's probably three or four years old. Thankfully this has a happy ending, but I mean, obviously the majority of the time there isn't necessarily always a happy ending. I don't know what the family situation is, but I mean, I would be reluctant to try and cast judgment until you find out the full story. And in this case, we found out that it was an autistic boy which kind of sheds more light on the, the struggles and challenges that the family faces. So, I mean, definitely something that uh, is always a fear of ours. So that's why we definitely want to get the kids the best swimming lessons we can to hopefully uh, help them a little bit. Needless to say, there's definitely not enough support for parents out there. And this is one of those areas that we are really pushing towards for this very reason. That is really one of the types of stories that has driven us to make sure that our kids are going through these swimming lessons it is really literally a, a matter of life or death at this point. Honestly, it, it could be. And so it's a priority for us. They allow them to use what they call like an otter. Yeah. It's like a floating vest that they help with like low mosotone. In fact, they kind of require it in the angelfish program at the beginning just to make sure that they're getting the correct posture because they don't want them to get into a poor posture habit where they start off doing the wrong thing and then get in the habit of practicing and learning that way. And so for the lessons that we did, they actually were taught with floaties. They were encouraged to use floaties and flippers. They were really, really encouraging flippers. They would get upset if you didn't use flippers because they said that the flippers would allow them to swim easier and gain confidence. So that first step was allowing your child to feel confident in the water, and then eventually you will phase those out. So if that involves the floaties, the flippers, the goggles, whatever it may be, they even recommended using like the swimming cap for my daughter who was like sensory and water averse because they thought that would help with the sensory aversion that she was having with having wet hair and stuff like that. It just really depends on your specific kids needs and each program is probably a little bit different, but that's definitely something that worked great for us and we're going to continue down that route. Hopefully we will get them to be really good swimmers at some point so we can avoid something like this from happening. 
Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's our main focus. But uh, so I would say we successfully completed the the one training session. I think they said we could look into one, I think, in like the fall or, or whatever when they launch that. So they will be right back in the pool in no time. It'll be great. Our goal is to kind of do like a year round thing so that they don't lose skills. Because, again, with autism, there's the fear of regressions. So we want to make sure that they are having swimming lessons basically as frequently as possible until they are comfortable enough in the water. But also, despite that, I would just never leave them unsupervised regardless, because I've read stories of kids who just have freak accidents in the 10 minutes it took for the parent to go in that house and out, even though that kid knew how to swim. So even if your child knows how to swim, don't get overly confident. You still need to supervise them at all times, regardless of their ability to swim. Some quick announcements before we wrap up because we've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe. We want to announce that after receiving some feedback from our listeners, we are officially launching the beta version of our new private parent community. So this is a way that we're going to try to give back to the community while also trying to support our initiatives at Autism Wish. So for just $5 a month, you'll be granted exclusive access to the Embracing Autism community. We will probably get your feedback on the name because it's kind of a meh name, and I'd love to hear your input on what you would like to call this community. We are open to changing that. We have a bunch of awesome features like a drop-in voice-only chat room. There's also a video chat room available at all times. We have a friend of ours who's going to be starting a book club on there. If you joined our monthly parent support group, you're familiar with our I won't give you a shout out because I don't have your permission yet, but you know who you are. We will also have direct access to Matt and myself. So if you have questions about any of the topics that we've discussed in the podcast or even those that you haven't, we will be very active in this group, in this community. So we will be there to answer questions as well and get involved in the discussions. It is kind of like a discussion board as well. So there's ample opportunity to get conversations going. And honestly, Despite having like, you know, additional podcast related content like behind the scenes and a space for you to submit questions for our guests and things like that, I actually find that the most important part of this group is that it is separate from Facebook and all these other social media. So it is completely private. And because of that, you can really have a space where you can feel safe to be your authentic self, share your authentic opinions. We are very much so anti-parent censorship or even autistic adults or anyone who's there because we want you guys to be able to not feel scared to ask the tough questions, not feel scared to share your honest opinions. This community is meant to be a safe space where you can ask those questions. And basically, we just ask everyone to be adults, you know, like don't go and start harassing each other. But other than that, we're really going to be a hands-off type of community where you can really just speak your piece and Get those conversations that are so important going. The best part is that for less than a cup of coffee, your donation is going to go directly towards impacting our charity work at Autism Wish. So 100% proceeds that we make, which again is just $5 a month for this, is going to go straight back to running our gifting programs and just keeping our servers running and everything so that we can keep doing the great work that we're doing in the autism community and so we can keep giving back. So if you're interested, this is currently in beta, which means we are still adjusting things. Things could still change. 
which means it's great time for you to get involved because your influence, what you say, can actually impact any changes that will be made. We are giving a temporary seven-day free access to it. If you go to autismwish.org and click on Become a Member, that will direct you to our Patreon page. You will need to create a free account with gilded.gg. All the instructions are in that Patreon page. All we ask is that you please have some patience as the community is in this beta stage. It's going to take a little bit of time to get it where it needs to be. But we really welcome your thoughts and input along the way. And we want you to be able to form and structure this into something that would benefit you guys. Like we want this to be your space. And so we really are going to take your thoughts into heavy consideration on how to form this community. Go to autismwish.org, click on become a member and get your seven day free trial. Check it out. Let us know what your thoughts are. We'll take a look at the comments. We'll get your feedback in and adjust accordingly. And hopefully we'll make this a really cool, safe space for all our parents. So that's pretty much it on that end. Matt, do you have anything else to add? It's a really cool, I mean, I like the Gilded. I mean, I have never used it before we started launching this. It's like a very cool, like, I mean, different groups. I've got my dad's corner. So if I ever encounter another dad, I won't be talking to myself and it'll be kind of great. It's kind of like... Like a like corner that Leah has let me like make my own. It's like your man cave. I gotta stay in <laughs> there and not get back out. But but it's kind of like response or you like leave comments, but you can basically kind of like uh, respond quickly or leave like uh, voice messages. So I mean, I think it'd be a great community for like quick responses or just trying to build just a general community among other people who are interested in just getting to know each other and just kind of going from there. I am pitching the name Multiple Access uh, True Technology, which will probably just short. <laughs> to Matt. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> when uh, when it's officially launched, but um but if anyone wants to vote on that, um, please people it, vote them down. Come on. It, vote it has down. a great a great strong powerful name. Um, and I think everyone can really get behind it. So uh, that's yeah. my pitch on, on that. <laughs> Let's not do that. How about it's MAT for maybe another time? <laughs> Um, so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, um, we're going to wrap this up, um, in terms of swimming, do your kids know how to swim? Have you guys had any water scares, any elopement risk where your kid was getting near body of water and it really kind of like shocked you? Let us know your stories in the comments. Again, you can go to youtube.com slash at autism wish and leave your comments there, or you can leave them on Facebook under the video there. And we will take a look at all of those because we really love hearing from you and hearing your stories. We will see you all next time. And we've got some more fun stuff coming up. I think we will be sharing another uh, summer adventure in our next one, right? And it might be water related. It might also be water related. So, <laughs> so <laughs> all stay coming tuned. Together, we'll... <laughs> all coming together. <laughs> stay tuned. And we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.